You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone, and welcome to another friendly episode of Ask Drone You. My name is Paul. My name is Rob. Thank you guys for joining us today. Really do appreciate it every single time. We know you have a lot of options, and you are here, and that is awesome. So thank you. Yes, thank you very much. We are excited to be here. And uh, there was one comment I wanted to mention on the CES video that I did with Haya. Someone was like, you notice you picked your ear and then looked at it. Well, I thought something flew into my ear, and we're all human. So... I think that you would probably once in your life have had something fly in your ear. <laughs> if not your nose. Huh? Yeah, so hey, anyway. I think I, think I saw... Anyways. Yeah, let's, I don't want to get into it too much, but that was, uh, <laughs> that was a truly great, That's funny. great episode. And uh, today our show is going to be focusing on flying over moving vehicles. After a recent YouTuber has posted something that's got a lot of people in the community questioning uh, that... Um, the question has come in as far as what you can do, what you can't do as far as flying over um, moving cars. And I will just say, if this hasn't hit everyone, you know, YouTube is a, it caters to a certain audience. So I would, I would just keep that in the back of your mind when you're thinking about some of the things that you see on YouTube. So we're not going to expand on what that means. I watch YouTube. I watch YouTube too, but I just think that, uh, you know, the content is made for attention grabbing. Mm. It's not a lot of depth. You can't expect to have these lo- True. a lot of depth from these videos because these people haven't been doing it for like a long period of time. Well, and even if they it, have, that's not really what it's meant to be, right? It's like, yeah. It's a It's very competitive for people's yeah. eyes. Which is why we don't play that realm. But, um, I mean, we put out some videos, but I mean, like, we don't put out the the cream of the crop content on the YouTube. meat and potatoes. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, anyway, today's um, podcast is brought to you by... We have a last-minute flight mastery and mapping class in Little Rock, Arkansas. So if you're in Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, or anywhere near there, um, PJ and Matt are going to be teaching a class while I am away um, in a faraway land. And if you want to check it out, if you want to really add a whole new facet to your business and understand just how powerful mapping is and what you can do with it, I mean, it's as simple as you can make an ortho mosaic of a county fairland and sell it to every vendor who wants to throw an event at the county fair so that they could scale out and literally map how they're going to put everything and then sell the advertising of those spaces. I mean, that's just one simple, simple way to make money with hmm. drone mapping. So make sure you go to droneu.education and check out the live training events and sign up for that class, which you won't want to miss. Hey guys, it's Greg Salino from Columbus, Ohio. I had the opportunity to take your mapping class uh, last year in San Diego. It was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. Thank you for putting that class together. And whoa, mapping was amazing. It's Christopher Walken for you, Paul. And um, unrelated to all that, I subscribe to a guy who does a lot of drone videos. And he had one that says, how to legally fly over roads. So, um, and the shots, they kind of scared me, a couple of them. But before I go out and do these shots, I like to increase my ability and all that kind of stuff, seeing if those shots are legal. And I see those cinematic shots during movies, 
you know, where they have the bird's eye view camera looks like they're flying right over people. But I'm like, are they really? So getting your thoughts and opinions on it. Love what you guys do. Keep doing all the good work. Thanks for making my drive home bearable. It's amazing what you guys do. Wow. Ah, I love it, Greg. Thank you. Thank you for uh, being a part of the community, for going to a mapping class, for listening to the podcast. That is very, very helpful to not only us, but the industry, hopefully. Um, yeah, this. I, I guess the easy way to fly over a road legally is when there's no cars on it or people on it, right? Uh, yeah, if you, uh, if you remember, one it's of the videos simple. that Vic did is he... Uh, he turned on his um, what is it called someone was bitching that he got a photo from the middle of the highway and what he did is he pointed his camera down at Nader and then turned on his grid lines and center point so you could literally see exactly what was under the drone when he flew over the road and he recorded his camera at Nader flew to the middle of the road recorded all that then took his photos waited for traffic to clear and then literally flew uh over the road without cars and then videotaped that again just to prove that he had not flown over cars. Now, if I understand the rules under Part 107, if you are flying over parked cars or stationary vehicles that can, quote-unquote, protect people, that's totally okay. Um, You know, the FAA was saying that you can't fly over moving vehicles, and I don't want to confuse that with flying from moving vehicles which you can only fly from moving vehicles if you're not the driver and you're in a sparsely populated area. So there are a lot of caveats, obviously, to the rules, and having a deep understanding is, is, I think, really imperative. So now as far as flying over moving vehicles, you know, the FAA, you know, shared their NPRM, I think, what was it, last year, about flight over people and some of the changes that they wanted to, um, to make. And I can't remember right now, um, if they had mentioned flight over moving cars, because I know that this is one particular sticky subject because flying over moving cars is really not, a, a, in my opinion, a big deal. It's when you have someone who's flying really low over lots of moving cars that could cause a problem, meaning if you distract a driver over the highway and they cause a huge accident, uh, I would say as the drone pilot, you had some fault in that if you were distracting people. Yeah, I, you know, it makes me think about um, just sort of, sort of, and this is maybe a general comment as well relative to how the FAA has been going about this. If my wife is teaching a class and it's the beginning of the semester, she's going to really start out tough, right? And then you start to loosen the reins over time as they earn the right to have those reins loosened. So, I mean, with all there is to learn about how people are going to react to these things, I think it's just setting that bar really, really, really high, even though. For something like that, it's probably not that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, agreed. And I mean, like, I think this, you know, comes down to pilot responsibility because at the end of the day, if you fly recklessly and carelessly, you know, there could be consequences to that. Um, I, I say could, there could be consequences to that. I think this is one of the rules, though, that the FAA should loosen up the reins on and... Um, you know, we had, uh, we had talked to the FAA about giving us a comment on this particular issue and because of the holidays and remote ID, the amount of comments has gone down 
significantly. Uh, so um, I'm not sure that we'll we'll get a comment on this just yet. I do expect us to get one, just not right away. And I, you know, I would say, guys, you really have to use your judgment because here's the thing: if you fly over the road and there's no cars directly under the drone, literally as you fly over the road, you're not doing anything wrong. In addition, let's say you're, you know, I, I would really wonder what the FAA stance is if you're flying you know, in the middle of the road and there's no cars directly below you and you're getting some of these shots, you know, it, it really comes down to interpretation. And I would say that in most in most cases, if you can prove your plan for emergency protocols, if you can showcase, let's say if you were to get ramp checked, okay, how, why was this a safe operation in your mind? And you say, well, when I crossed the road, there was no one under me. Um, no one has, there's no moving cars flying below me, et cetera. Um, and that's why, you know, I thought that this was okay. I think pilots would be surprised to know that the more that you're educated on part 107, you would actually be surprised how little a lot of our FISDO inspectors slash investigators know about part 107. Obviously, there are some FAA officials that really know it very, very, very well. Sure. And there are definitely some FISDO investigators that know it really, really, really well. But when you have such a large agency spread over all 50 states, it's hard to expect everyone to have that deep level of knowledge across all investigators. And while I would like to see that, and while I would, I think it would benefit the industry as a whole, it's just reality that we're not there yet. Sure, so, sure. I mean, you think we're giving good advice when we say use your best judgment? And I mean, we, I think we gave a good example and painted a picture. I think so. One thing I would ask you is you mentioned that you would like to see the FAA loosen some loosen in this area. What would what would you have them loosen? I think it's totally okay. And I mean, this was discussed, uh, by the way, in part 107 in the summary, which was transversing areas, people or vehicles, Mm -hmm. which is essentially I'm not going to get into that right now. But the way that I understand it is that if you're flying super high over things, that transversing objects uh, is seen as a unique uh, operation. And I would just say, don't read into my statement. You would need to go into the drone pilot field kit, look at the 600-page document, and search for that point, and you'll find out exactly what they say about transversing. But to answer your question, Rob, I do think that this is one of those things that the FAA could loosen up on, and there really not be any um, drastic uh, negative safety-based scenarios. If the FAA were to come out and say, you can fly over moving vehicles, but you have to have at least like a 50-foot buffer distance or 25 feet of buffer distance, I mean, at the end of the day, if my drone hits a car, is anything going to happen? The probability is fairly low that any like significant damage would happen. Obviously, you know, since we teach uh, accident investigation using drones, we know that there are literally hundreds of variables that could impact the severity or the effect that the drone would have on the car. I would say nine times out of 10, if the persons were not in a convertible, the chances are (laughs) they would probably be okay. um, Because we know um, the amount of force that one of these vehicles can have. And yeah. I know that it's a popular insurance commercial. Um, <laughs> what is it? Is that Farmers? It's uh, either see, far- a, see a drone, hit a drone. I Their think commercial. it is Farmers. Or 
Uh, there's so many of them now. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like, we remember. dealt with that. And I'm like, I'm sure just some old lady saw a drone and thought it was like a New Mexico uh, hawk spider <laughs> and just freaked out and just, you know, crashed on the side of the road. But that's, well, a, that's a real concern that us drone pilots is. have to be considerate of. Absolutely, because, you know, you say that jokingly and sort of tongue-in-cheek, but the reality is there are people that are a little more sensitive to driving for whatever reason, whether it's age or youth or whatever, that this could... Age or youth. <laughs> oh, you know, old age. I'm sorry. I'm it's sorry. Okay. Thank it's you for okay. catching that. Anyways, I think they knew what I mean, but nonetheless. Um, so sort of a, a little bit of a different direction, but do you think... Let's just say remote ID, it's going to happen in some form. Let's say it happens in just the exact form that we'd love it so we can get over the, the issues with remote ID. Do you think having that would help this particular issue? I mean, is that the kind of thing that it will do? I mean, obviously, there's beyond visual line of sight and some of those things that we know that will benefit from remote ID. But what about something like this? I honestly, without having a lot of time to really think about the answer to that question, my initial response, which typically my initial responses are inadequate. My dad would say they're just wrong, but I would say they're <laughs> inadequate. Um, Splitting hairs, but anyway. My initial response is no, it would not help. And the reason I say that is because oftentimes our neighbors are the biggest uh, driver of uh, accusations and they're the biggest driver of... Um, ugh, false accusations as well. Hmm. Here's my point, right? Um, you know, a lot of people will live many, many years just fine as is, and they live under the norms of their local area. And then let's say that they move to another city and they're living as is, and then six months down the line, they find out that there's some open investigation against them for something that they had, like, they were like, huh? Like, what, what do you mean? They mm -hmm. thought that they were just doing, you know, normal things. And we see this with the FCC. We see this with the FAA. And we see it with other agencies where oftentimes the only enforcements are the complaints from one drone pilot against another. Or for the FCC, it's one cellular company against another. And we're only enabling that. And... Honestly, hmm. my point in the neighbor is that like the neighbor typically won't have issues unless another neighbor thinks he's doing something malicious and maybe he is, maybe he isn't. The, my point is though, is that when most of our enforcements are coming from one competitor calling a government agency on another competitor, I mean, not only is it childish and not only it will take time to come back to haunt you, but it will haunt you. Trust me, it will haunt you. But when we live in that type of environment and society and enforcement society, no, it does not excite me one bit to have remote ID. And in this particular example, where most of the time the guy or girl is probably flying safely and it's just the interpretation of another human that causes them to call the FAA or call local law enforcement when, again, they're not doing anything wrong. It just causes this unbelievable amount of hype over nothing because people simply do not understand what they don't know. With that being said, look at the issue with the Colorado drones in Nebraska. We actually know who that is. And like, literally, we know who that is. We can't say who it is, but they're not doing anything illegal at all. And yet it's causing this fervor 
across the country because what could these drones be doing that fly at night? Well, what about all the airplanes fly over your house at night? You ever think twice about that? No, because it's normal, right? These drones (laughs) are normal. Just because they're not normal to you doesn't mean they're not normal to other people. And that's why I think that the remote ID would not help in this particular case, because I think the only enforcement actions that would come would be coming from one of these guys' competitors or someone who's just acting egregious. It's not someone with a true safety concern. Interesting. That was a very long-winded explanation. Yeah, I know, and you took it a little bit different a direction than I expected, because my, I mean, my thought is, is it going to allow the FAA to loosen things up? But kind of took it from the other side of things. But it's all part of the equation and, and part of the conversation. I'm curious. I Well, to answer your question, would it allow to... Meaning, ease? would the FAA, be, I'm sorry, because of the remote ID and being able to identify who's flying more easily, more readily, more immediately... And, the, and they're fooling people when they say that because most airports have aeroscope and they can see 80% of drones, but hey, whatever. So to answer your question, would it ease up... <laughs> hold on, let me, get to the, let me get to this. Would it ease up the environment? Well, it depends on what version of remote ID passes... And, um, you know, if you guys, uh, if this, I don't know if this will make it out in time. But you can listen to the replay. Yes. So so check out the webinar that we're going to film. But as this is published, it will have already been filmed. And in this webinar, we talk about our plan for the unified response. And we're also going to be launching our guide. Uh, It is finally ready on how to comment, how to maximize your comments. What are some of the particular problems with remote ID? And then we also show you in a macro top-down approach because if we nix a couple of the bigger issues, it really nixes a lot of the other smaller problems as well. So make sure to uh, download that at the drone advocacykit.com. Yes, I know the advocacy kit is typically uh, the web page for our uh, regulatory guide on how to work with local regulators. Um, But in an effort to collect emails, we're giving this guide out for free, but we're trying to collect emails for a very specific purpose. And the purpose is if we can aggregate who's actually serious about making a difference in this industry and we can highlight those people and then we can, you know, kind of come together in a unified sense and email all those people and have uh, what my dad would call collective bargaining, then I think it would be extremely powerful to get what we actually want. So make sure to go download the guide, write your comment out. Please be intelligent about your comment. Do not cut copy and paste. Don't name call. Don't threaten. Don't blame others. Provide research and tell your personal story. How are these rules going to affect you? your business, your family, and even your future kids' dream of flight, okay? I think that's really, really, really important. Again, download the guide, droneadvocacykit.com. It will soon be on the DroneU uh, webpage. We're just waiting on something. So I wanted to get it up temporarily so we can start fighting the good fight. Yeah, I think, by the way, and I really didn't mean to get us on that, but it's just part of our, a significant part of our world right now, so it, it makes perfect sense. But the other thing you can do is go to our website, um, I guess, droneu.education, and go to the bottom and subscribe to the newsletter because we can send this out to everybody via that avenue as well because we want this in everybody's hands. We'll probably even post a link on our public Facebook page, and there will be other things coming out, I would imagine, from us via email, an obvious efficient way to communicate about this to all you folks. And so if you go subscribe at the bottom 
of the homepage, then you could be sure and be on that list and get that information so that you can be a part of the solution. Yeah, and I think even those people who are on that list should still have to go and re-provide their email. And the reason I say that is I don't want people just sharing this PDF with other pilots. I want you to send people to go download it. And why? Because the more people that we can get, that we can communicate with directly and say, this is our plan for fighting. And oh yeah, we've been working with a couple huge other industry players to create a new secret association to fight this thing. And oh yeah, we want you to be a part of it. It's so important that if you guys do share the guide, share the link, droneadvocacykit.com. Why? Build the list of emails. That way we can collectively bargain against the FAA for these terrible, horrible proposed remote ID rules. And you'll know it's the right guide because the title is, Let's Get Rid of the FAA's Proposed Remote ID Rules. Get it? Get get rid? Ha ha ha. Anyway, I, I think they get it. I think they Very get it. Smart too. people out there. But uh, we do appreciate your support. There's been a, a huge onslaught of support. We really appreciate it. Keep subscribing to YouTube. Keep writing those reviews on Spotify, um, on Facebook, on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash drone you. Uh, and keep things going, guys. The greatest um, fear that I think this the FAA has against remote ID is awaking the giant and it's time for us to quit the bifurcation it's time for us to quit um, the lack of organization and come together and I think you guys and girls know where we are coming from as a school why this means so much to us we unfortunately you know I think, regrettably, we played into the divide and conquer game, uh, hobby versus commercial, and that and that has got to stop. We are here because uh, of our passion for flight, and we are here because we turned our passion into a profit, and we're here because we want to see other people enjoy the freedoms that that we have proven uh, to work, and um, we don't want that to go away. So, if you are like us and you love to fly, you've got to spend a few minutes, maybe an hour. Let's be real. And you've got to download this guide. You've got to comment intelligently. Don't be like the AMA. I'm so disappointed in the AMA. I don't know if you saw their email they sent out. It was like four paragraphs. And like cut co- and it said, cut, copy, and paste this into the NPRM. And it's like, hello, like, sorry, your old geriatrics, but let's, let's do some math here, okay? The FAA has come out and already said if 10,000 people, and I even put this in our guide, if 10,000 people duplicate their comments, they count that literally as one comment. So literally all the fervor and all of the comments from the AMA and trying to light up the, uh, the, you know, the membership, what a total failure. I mean, it's almost like they're playing into the FAA rulebook here. And it's like, what a pathetic response. I am so disappointed. Rich Hansen, I'm looking at you, dude. Like, we need your help. You guys got to come up with a much better response. We need to be a part of the solution, not the problem. Here, here. On that bombshell, that's going to do it for us today. My name is Paul. My name is Rob. This is Ask Drone You. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. 
We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.